Emmy Award-winning producer, actor, and comedian Larry Wilmore is back on the air, hosting a podcast where he weighs in on the issues of the week and interviews guests in the world of politics, entertainment, culture, sports, and beyond. Check out Larry Wilmore Black on the Air on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hello, media consumers. Welcome to Pressbox Thursday. Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker of The Ringer here, along with producer Erica Cervantes. We are talking to you the morning after Russia began its invasion of Ukraine, an invasion the New York Times is calling a full-scale attack now. There are reports from several outlets that the Russians want to take the Ukrainian capital of Kiev in order to replace President Vladimir Zelensky and his government. The New York Times is using the word decapitate to describe that effort. David, at times like last night and this morning, you and I are sitting in front of a TV like just about everyone else. What are some of your first impressions from watching the news? Oh, man. It's, it's um, well, I mean, it's heartbreaking and it's sort of paralyzing, you know, in its way to be watching this. It's, it's um, I think you and I can probably agree there's a lot of like news spectacles that we've become sort of veneered, like we've become, if not cynical about them, pretty weathered to over the past five, 10 years of our lives, right? I mean, I don't think either mm-hmm. of us prepping for this podcast feel any shivers up our spine during like the the the, the DNC or any, you know, <laughs> or anything, you know, it, it, there's, there's, not, there's not a lot of big moments that get you, but it's impossible to, to sort of prepare yourself for the way you're going to feel when that Chiron goes across the screen, right? That like, like the, the feeling the the television or, or the, the concrete version of the Joe, of the tweet that we talked about earlier this week, when it's just like, when, you know, Joe Biden canceled his weekend plans and suddenly it's real, right? It's real, real. Um, watching it on TV has been, it's sort of a mixed bag. I think that there's this, this real feeling of uncertainty that comes with any, conflict situation like this i mean especially something that could escalate i mean that we all have some sort of some sort of grasp of the scope you know even though it's un kind of unknowable it could we all know it could be really big but um it's frankly like we, we still have a very limited amount of information you know and you really see in some ways how thin the coverage is when it goes wall to wall on an event this significant you know, I mean, there's people around the world on paper, there's a lot of information, but there's just so little information in, a re- in the way that we're used to having news, serious news delivered. Yes. And and I noticed that myself last night and, and even this morning, because what people like you and I want to see in in a moment like this is pictures on the news. Yep. We crave the picture. We We want to see the CNN or NBC or network correspondent standing there in Kiev at night so we can see what it looks like there. We want to see the correspondents fanned out around the country. We want to see pictures as we saw last night. I believe it was a photo. It was a video shown on lots of networks of the Russian tanks, right? Moving unimpeded 
down mm-hmm. the highway or hearing that air raid siren that was on NBC and a bunch of other networks last night in Kiev. And at the same time, I'm watching it and I'm, it's almost like when you and I have talked about with natural disasters, I'm like, I understand the gist of what is happening here, but so many of these pictures are almost out of context. And it's kind of for the moment anyway, just a picture rather mm-hmm. than a picture that comes with an explanation. Can I take it one step further than that? I'm watching CNN right now and they're showing this sort of like verite footage of 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 people in Kharkiv cramming the subways. Yep. There's there's this, there, there's a, I mean that there's a real value to that, you know, with an explanation, which I have it on mute so I assume we're, I can only assume we're getting one in, as part of the broader story. There was there was footage earlier today I saw of people lining up to the at the ATM at the bank in seemingly pretty good spirits but all trying to get their, you know, get money out. Um those sorts of things, and, and the scenes that you describe, the tanks rolling in, there is real value to that. But specifically to your point about reporters on the street, unless the point is to, I mean, if, if a reporter is reporting on the, you know, from a balcony in Kiev, and it's like a serene nighttime view, unless the point is to convey a moment of serenity, it's actually not helpful to have all these people scattered around because some of them are in are on the street in Ukraine, some of them are in Moscow, you know, some of the pe- people that are kind of scattered all over the place and if you're reporting on a on a background where nothing of interest is happening, where people are milling about smoking cigarettes, it gives you the exact opposite impression than this is a country at war, right? Then there this is a this is a so it's it's I understand why they're there. I'm not saying, you know, pull them out and and, this, and these are the people that have some of the best information to be conveying to us, certainly more than a lot of people that are cramming the studios. But, you know, it, 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 it's, you're right, it's not informative. Just that it might be a good shot. It might make for good TV. It's, not, it's certainly not informative in any real way. Okay, let's talk about that shot because that was on virtually every network last night. Kiev at night, as you said, relatively serene with an air raid siren kind of coming off once in a while. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Part of it's like getting a dateline, right? Part of it is an announcement to viewers that we are in the place where the news is happening. We are yeah. in the country where the news is happening, if not exactly at the spot that the news is happening. I will defend it on a couple of fronts. One is it's not like the Russians sent a note saying, hey, here is where we are going to be bombing tonight. And the networks decided to go someplace else, right? They are trying to figure out what is happening in real time, just like we are, right? Just like anybody is, you know, we don't, we don't know the answer to the question of what is happening. So we are going to station our correspondence here. We're going to show this. I do think I will just push back slightly on you're right. When you show a serene downtown nighttime image, there is something that is slightly misleading about that if there are tanks rolling in and missiles falling somewhere else. But I also think there is probably a fairly accurate depiction of what an invasion looks like, but conveyed by that picture too. I heard Clarissa Ward talking about that on CNN today. She was talking about there's this whole kind of fog of war where people are walking around on the streets, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, it's not a video game, right? This is, this is something that's, it's a complicated story. So it is, you're right. In some case, I guess there is a sense where maybe you're not, telling viewers everything. But again, I think you are conveying something of the se- of a sense of what is happening and what sure. at least parts of the country are like at that moment. 
I mean, I just think that, you know, this is obviously a visual medium, right? And it's not, and it's more so now than it ever has been in the past, despite the fact that television has existed for decades and decades, because social media has, we've talked about this before, is sort of like laid bare just the kind of inadequacy of television news, right? To like, yes. you, we, we, that we have, we can see videos on Twitter that CNN can't license, can't put on the, or, or is not airing for whatever reason. Maybe they're not true, you know, like, we, you know, maybe they're whatever, but um, or else social yeah, media I'm, just aggregates the important videos without yeah. the 45 minutes of filler, like on an election yeah. night or something like that. So we see the 45 seconds we need to see. I just think it's important to convey this, the terms, I mean, terms of engagement, it sounds like I'm being coy, but it, to, to, in, to, in, to, to actually convey what the pro like, like what's happening here in real terms. I mean, is, 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 I mean, the, the problem is, well, first and foremost, that, Russia has like rolled their tanks across, you know, and flown their helicopters over, over the borders. You know, I mean, that's like that in and of itself is like, and just one of the most like mind boggling things that has happened in our lifetimes. Um, but then also like there's, you know, they're showing. And, and so like air that footage, like let that be with an arrow pointing at it. This is when a war crime was committed. You know, <laughs> this, or this is when, you know, the, like all, like every pact that anyone ever has ever, that Russia has ever signed is broken. But also, you know, they're putting up maps, which are helpful, with like explosion, you know, with cartoon explosions on them showing everywhere where explosion has been reported, but without footage of any explosions, it's not, it, I think that it feels like we're, so much of what we, how we experience the world has moved past the sort of surreal, right? Where we get to see concrete videos of things when they happen. And we're not dependent on the description of uh, the, the descriptions by news anchors and foreign correspondents and stuff to, to convey to us. Like we expect to see it, you know, and when you, when you don't see it or when you see something that sort of conveys the opposite, I think that that's, I think that there's like an inherent, there's an inherent issue there, but I, I, I mean, maybe I'm overblowing it. No, I know I do. I think you're really hitting on something really interesting. Cause I was sitting there watching um, CNN and MSNBC last night with my laptop on my lap. And I was going back and forth to New York Times and the Washington Post homepages. And the New York Times very much on purpose seemed a step slow, right? The New York Times is mm -hmm. not interested in, hey, an explosion happened. Did you hear that? Without any context at all, yeah. right? They may, you know, in the course of a news article, say explosions were heard in the capital of Kiev. But what they're really interested in, right, is a full-blown context and trying to figure out, give you like hard information about what is happening and convey the stakes of what is happening. Whereas television news definitely wants to do that too, but they are also serving a very different need of viewers, which is like, you want to watch something right now. You want a picture that's on continuous loop. You want sights and sounds. We're trying to figure that out. We're trying to figure out what's happening. But in the meantime, we will give you the sights and sounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, it's a, it's a big trade-off, right? And we could say that about all yeah. of television news probably, right? Like every time, you know, it's like airing an unedited interview with a politician when the politician is lying, you know, like that, you know, as opposed to airing excerpts and letting your correspondent put it into context, right? Like t TV, live TV news is often just completely context-free. And yeah, it's very, very stark in a moment like this. You know, uh here, let me lodge another complaint. You know what feels really inadequate right now? The 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 NFL halftime show setups that some of the networks have gone to, the news networks have gone to. I, I don't need to see four people at a table presenting prepared statements, right? Like uh, like people from think tanks and and you know with military backgrounds. Like I I 
this is a point in time where like if I mean if the, the anchor or trusted anchors can give us their prepared statements, you know, can report the news that's going on. But like I want to hear like conversations, you know, I want to hear people react to the news as it's happening. I, I think that I think that it's um you know, it's tough. Like it's it's tough to find the 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 voice the exact voices that you want to hear comment on this. And that's another reason why social media is great because you can find the Twitter account that you sort of think is right and follow that the whole way through, right? Um you might the the, the television commentator you might most uh enjoy or or appreciate might be on the channel that you otherwise don't like to watch like whatever. There's a million ways to do this, but um I don't know. I just feel like when they're not on the street, despite my complaints about the on, <laughs> on the street reportage, when they're not on the street, I feel like I'm getting even less information. You know, like I don't need people to explain to me what's going on, what may or may not be going on in Putin's head, like ad nauseum, right? I mean, I think that that's like an important component of this, but like, I don't need everybody's opinion on it, right? So, I mean, it's, I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of, like, it feels like news, television news is in so many ways set up for opinion, right? And this is a situation where like, I'm interested in the facts. So um, your ideal is Jake Tapper, Don Lemon, whoever happens to be on the anchor desk at that time, toggling between correspondents on the field and lightning the ex-generals <laughs> and the pundits and the people who are beaming in from home. What's your what's your ideal here? Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, Jake Tapper kind of or Don Lemon. I don't I don't I mean, Jake Tapper, I'm watching right now and he's I think he's great. I think that, you know, well, that's a bad example for me. Lemon's obviously a legitimate news guy. Both of them are. But I mean, I was turned on the TV this morning and was just sort of sort of perplexed that like Morning Joe was continuing yeah. just to, I mean, <laughs> specifically about Ukraine, but like that, that the format of Morning Joe is continuing, you know, unaltered sort of it, it, that I'm not quite sure that we need to stick stick with the regular host patterns uh and 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 tv setups um i think playing it straight i do i mean i think that having tapper or whoever as the anchor narrating what's going on and and you know kind of assimilating information in the most direct way possible um and you know the more factual the better i know that facts are really hard to come by at times like this um but i would rather have I would rather have, you know, someone aggregating. I'd rather have like a Steve Kornacki, like aggregating reports oh, no. live in front of me. No, no, no. I mean, that's, that sounds comical, but I would rather have somebody like actually dealing with news rather than like just cycling and talking heads who may or may not be saying anything sort of pertinent to the moment. I don't know. It just, it just, I'm, I'm not, I guess I'm not making a lot of sense, but it does feel like the more somehow the more voices here, the less adequate the the coverage is. Well, this is something interesting about cable news, which is cable news has changed. And this is not, this is not breaking for anyone, but it has changed a lot since the original, or let's say the early nineties conception of CNN, where it was a news gathering arm that happened to be on television. Fox and MSNBC come along and it is decided by all three, less so CNN, but by all three, that this is going to be about opinion and personality to your point about the morning Joe thing, that the way you want to get your news is with an opinionated anchor or team of anchors doing it, mm -hmm. right? It's not going to be Bernard Shaw doing the Gulf War. That 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 went away. Now, I do find it interesting that, and I've seen this a lot on Twitter, everybody's like, man, CNN, I'm now, I like CNN again. CNN, which had been such, you know, a network that had seemingly forever been trying, like what is our, in, in the late teens and early, 2020s what are we doing here right 
They tried this whole thing during the Trump administration with we are the network of truth, right? We speak truth to power, sometimes well, sometimes not so well. But this is what we tried to do. But it was hard for them because they weren't the left-wing network. They weren't Fox News. So they were casting about. And now, because they still have at least some of the news gathering apparatus that they had in their golden age, people are like, ah, CNN. This is the CNN I want. This is this is the thing at this moment. This is the this is the kind of cable news I want. What do you make of that? Yeah, I'm. I mean, I th- that's exactly where I turned when everything started happening. You know, I mean, I I'm kind of toggling between them and you know, well, I mean, whatever news source I can find that feels a little bit, uh, you know, the Al Jazeera, the uh, all the CNN International. I mean, it, they're they're kind of duplicating coverage a whole lot in this moment. Yeah, but yeah, I I. I I checked Fox News to see if they were report if they were covering it at all. They were, thankfully, and and then um, kind of jumped right over to to you know from MSNBC and that whole experience to CNN. It feels like the right place to be, you know, trying to get your news at a time like this. Um, yeah, I do want to ask I, all those people that love CNN right now whether they're going to want CNN in six months or a year. Right? Are well, you going to be well, watching? No, I mean, it? Are I, you going to be watching it when this isn't happening? Or are you then going to say, you know what, I prefer the opinionated thing, because that's the issue, right, for CNN through all this thing. It's like we, you know, what 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 do we want to do on the one hand, and what do we think that people are actually going to watch, right, on the other on the other, yeah. And they've clearly been caught between those two things. By the way, I saw Jim Shudo kind of being like the opinionated anchor guy, but from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Over the last several hours, which is so funny because and he's doing, I think, a very good job of it. But it's like kind of the two poles of cable news fused in one. He is on the scene. He is across the world. He is in a war zone. But he is also being the kind of model of what we expect a cable news and CNN anchor to be right now. I thought that was kind of weird. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment. So it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven. And your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, 
How about going to visit a 7-Eleven? Valid through 1725. 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax. Participating U.S. stores see app for full terms. All rights reserved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, this is just a, a, a programming and marketing decision that that in some ways the answer is really straightforward, right? I mean, they they must be getting more viewers, more eyeballs, or or or, or feel like they can grow much more doing the opinion thing, right? Yep. But they're but at a time like this, everybody wants. I mean, it's almost like. CNN covering events such as this, it's almost like a, a, you know, utility, you know? I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, I mean, it's, there's no, there's no, there's no one else you would want to do it. And it's sort of a pity that that can't be monetized the rest of the time. Although I guess, you know, we'd have to be kind of wishing for like more world calamities to hope that this would be like a permanent model, right? No, well, I mean, you just did. Well, I guess I, I think maybe different than that, just hoping people would watch this kind of coverage when it wasn't a story necessarily of this magnitude. Oh, sure. Would watch that news gathering approach versus I'm watching the charismatic man or woman on television who is kind of reading, you know, it's kind of doing a bit. Um, I did appreciate a couple of the CNN things. You mentioned the subway station. I'm not sure this is the same one you're talking about, but CNN's Clarissa Ward was in a subway station that people were using as an air raid shelter. Yeah. It was really amazing visual because the first thing you saw her sort of standing on the steps and it looked just like a, and I think she said this, a rush hour subway station. And mm-hmm. then you were like, oh my gosh, everybody's sitting down in there and actually hiding in there because they're fear bombardment. The other one was CNN's Matthew Chance, who's been on the air a lot since last night, last night, American time. And he said uh, he had this encounter at an airport where there had been some fighting. And he gets to the airport and he says to the troops he finds there, do the Russians or the Ukrainians control this airport? And the person tells him the Russians are in control of the airport. And he says, okay, well, where are the Russians? And this guy says, we're the Russians. And he realizes he's been talking to this special forces officer. <laughs> the whole time uh and then did i think a quick little um live news thing from there but that was that was pretty amazing to watch i also david we talk about cnn i also find it really interesting like if there is one very popular thing you can say on twitter it is a cable news sucks that we do not like cable news we find it misinforms us as much as it informs us that it messes with our priorities right by putting that breaking news thing on the screen even when there is absolutely no breaking news yeah and then at a time like this you see everybody go you know what i'm watching right now endlessly cable news that thing that sometimes annoys me has Mm -hmm. in this moment become essential or at least i i am essential in the sense that i have not stopped watching it since last night you find that interesting yeah, I mean, but also our, our options are limited, right? I mean, it's like you can you can you can hate it, but there's only there, there's only so many you know news cameras out there in the world covering this stuff, right? So even if you knew with a hundred percent certainty that everything that came out of some anchor's mouth was going to be a lie, or even if it was going to be like inaudible, you know, I mean, if your t- if if your TV didn't have sound, like you would still go to these stations just to see to take in because it's like this is the only chance you're going to have to get to get firsthand visual information confirmation. 
of what you're otherwise reading about or whatever else. You know, your your options are pretty limited, but it's true. A lot of these, I mean, CNN, a lot of the stations are doing a really good job covering this uh, and their different ways. And and you see, it's not just CNN. You do see the value overall and, and you can, uh, of of, it's easy to hate on news, just like it's easy to hate on sportscasters or whatever else. But at the end of the day, it's, they, there is a, there, I mean, they, when necessary, they do contribute to the greater good. Well, and you, you talked about cynicism at the beginning of this segment. It's then there's cynicism that's that kind of cynicism that's ingrained in journalists like us, but there's also cynicism because the news is often covered cynically. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that contributes to the cynicism, right? Yeah, C- cable cable news creates a lot of this, and it's worth uh, it's worth noting that too. Well, there was I mean, just as totally an aside, but right after Biden spoke the other night this is what two days ago or whatever, there was a kind of a minor kerfluffle online and on TV about how the D, the 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 RNC like immediately tweeted a picture of him walking away from the podium after his speech yes. and saying, and tweeted like, that's what weakness looks like or whatever, whatever it said. Um, I mean, first of all, what a, just a piece of shit tweet that was. But uh, the fact that like, not just that it was tweeted, but that, that it was covered, it the the way that it was covered on TV what kind of fit in fits into a mold of sort of cynicism about about politics, right? And the same people that were body language that, coverage, you know, reliance yeah. on a visual as opposed to what Biden is doing about whatever. yeah, I mean, and just in general, like covering po- pointing at the the steady de-evolution of the Republican Party is not particularly meaningful unless there's some sort of deeper message or like there's real substance there. The point just being that, the people that were kind of pointing at that tweet and wondering, you know, what had befallen the grand old party are now just covering the war, right? They're not, we're, politics has certainly taken a back seat. And I think that's what's sort of refreshing about what we're watching, at least on some of these channels. Dave Weigel pointed this out on Twitter is that what Trump would do is he would have all the reporters come into the Oval Office. Mm-hmm. And then he would do his spiel from the desk inside the Oval Office. And then his minders would, would shoo the reporters out so that no one ever got the visual of Donald Trump walking away from the podium. They were just shooed out. So that like visual was taken off the table. Oh, that's great. So it's just, a, <laughs> so if the RNC is talking about the RNC is really just talking about the way presidents are stage managed by their handlers, which is mm-hmm. very funny. Two small things uh, before we wrap up here. One is that since we were kids, the idea of seeing news anchors on television at a time when they're not supposed to be on television mm-hmm. has been this like sub- in a in a times in a time slot when they're in not supposed time to be on television. In a time slot, in a time of day, yeah, yeah. Has been this subliminal cue that something really important, or in this case, really bad is happening. Yeah. It's exactly the same as it was with like Peter Jennings and Tom Brokaw when we were kids, as it is with Jake Tapper today as we sit here and talk i find Mm -hmm. that just very funny on a very on a very very small level also you you nodded at this earlier the retired generals are back on television yeah i saw wesley clark today i saw david petraeus today Uh that's a name i haven't heard in a long time um on television doing a combination of military analysis and also talking like my contacts are telling me in the field that this is happening to try to yeah. untangle some of those stories you talked about that are not that clear. Mm-hmm. 
kind of a very, very interesting feature of cable news at a moment like this. It is. It is. I mean, they're and there's like I said, I mean, it's it's easy to sort of poo poo the sort of the think tank class as a, in general. Certainly some of those those are the sorts of people who are giving us some of our best information at this point. But I think it's just the volume that gets me at the end of the day. Right. It's like if you wanted to know if there was whatever, if there was a story you were reporting on, if there was something happening in the world that you wanted to know about, if it's every, anything from war to the NBA trade deadline to whatever, you generally are going to have one or two people in your life or news sources that you trust, right? Like you're going to follow, on the trade deadline, you're going to follow Woj and Shams, right? Like that's that's who you're paying attention to. You may, in a time of great need or great boredom, just go to Hoops Hype and just, you know, take in every single thing that's available because you want to, but you understand that like, you don't, like, you know that's not your best source of information, right? So I just feel like these networks, in an effort to fill time, are potentially just filling time with insufficient, inadequate, less than ideal sources of information. That's all. Not everybody can be the best. Not everybody can have a point of view that's actually that important to what's going on. And it's. And I guess I would just presume I would just want them to be a little bit more decisive, a little bit more, you know, to, to curate. I guess what we see a little bit more. But I know that at a time like this, that's. I mean, honestly, too much to ask, you know, and there's, it's, it's just happening. It's happening so quickly and it's, it's just such a big deal. You know, in some sense, what are you going to do? He is David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Production Magic by Erica Cervantes. David and I are going to stay close to the mics. We're back with more soon. <laughs> 